How can you tell when a person's mad at you? Ever had that happen? How can you tell when someone's mad at you? They avoid you. They walk away from you. They won't look in the eye. You get the stole, the cold stare. You can tell when someone's mad at you. They treat you differently. Their body language is different. They won't recognize you. Have you or are you holding a grudge? Have you ever held a grudge? Somebody hurts you. Somebody hurt me and I hold a grudge and I don't forget and I remember it. You remember it? Do you have a blacklist? Are you a part of someone's blacklist? What's a blacklist? In our mind, we all have a group of people that we can't stand very much. Maybe somebody disagrees with us. Maybe somebody hurt us. Maybe somebody offended a family member. And we have a list of people that right now we're not really fond of and we keep that list mentally in our head. I'm not saying it's written down anywhere. And sometimes people drop out and sometimes people join in and sometimes people move up to the front and sometimes people slide down. But all of us have that. People who hurt us or offended us. What's a grudge? You know what a grudge is? A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment due to a past hurt. So I'll hold a grudge. I haven't forgotten. I always remember. I can't forgive and I can't move on. We all know, thank you for your support. My mother was called to return home last month and it was a difficult day because we had to tell my father in the hospital and we had to tell other loved ones and of course it was a long process. It was a very difficult day and you've been there. You know what it's like making phone calls, putting something on Facebook, contacting someone, going to somebody's home. We've all been there informing them. It was a very difficult day. And so arrangements were made at the funeral home the next day at 3 o'clock. And I remember meeting with the funeral home director. And for the first time in my life, I was on the other side of the table. I'm usually there as a pastor representative helping to organize the funeral. This time I was there receiving help instead of giving help. And my family was there, my siblings, some of my in-laws, my father. And we were just joking around. I think maybe we were blowing off steam and maybe a lot of stress is being blown off and kidding with each other and having a good time. And we looked at the funeral director and said, are we out? He goes, no, I really like this because sometimes when families meet, they haven't talked to each other in 10, 15 years. And there's three people sitting across from three people who haven't talked in 15 years. And you can see the cold stares. And it just was for the death of a loved one that brought them together happenstance. And I have individuals and groups of people are mad at each other, and a couple times I had to break up fistfights. Really? Yes. Because they're holding a what? A grudge. Stories from a funeral home, and sometimes funerals force family members together because they share loved ones, they share parents and grandparents. Grace is very often a rejected deliverer. It's easier <clears throat> to hold on to hatred and revenge, anger and pain much like the funeral home director who noticed it with our family, who shared it about other families as well. Now, I heard this song. When I heard this song, the first thing that went through my mind is this is going to be part of a sermon. And finally, a sermon came along that it fits in. So I'm not sure if you heard the song or heard the artist. I Pray for You by Jaron and A Long Road to Love. I never heard of that group, but I know the song. And so he sings the songs, the lyrics. Let me share the first lyrics, first stanza with you. I haven't been to church since I don't know when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to what the preacher as he told me what to do. So, so far, so good. I wish a lot of people did that. I haven't been to church, I'm going to listen to the preacher. 
Next stanza. He said you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Well, that sounds pretty good. That sounds a lot like Jesus. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Well, that sounds like Jesus. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Let the good Lord do his job and just pray for them. I even think you heard some of the children say that when somebody does something bad to them. That all sounds really good. And so here's the next stanza. So he heard what the preacher said. Much like what I'm preaching now. Much like what Jesus said. This is what he says. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when the engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. All right? Sounds like he's what? Holding a grudge, bitter. He's one of those guys at the funeral home. I pray the brakes go out when you're going down a hill, and I pray your engine stalls when you're flying high. Nice guy. That's how some people look at things. I'm not going to forgive. I'll pray for you. Yeah. I'll pray nobody calls on your birthday. Because it happens when there isn't forgiveness. So Peter asked this question. I think you all know it. Lord, how many times shall I what? Forgive my brother. How many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? And so Jesus gives a mathematical response. Jesus never gives easy answers. Jesus always makes us think. The answer to that question is, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Tell me. 70 times 7, right? Let me explain that in numerology. How many days did God create the world in? 7 is God's number, it's completeness. 10 is big. 10 means big to God. There's the Ten Commandments. 10 things can't separate us from the love of God in Christ. There's 10 maidens, right? 10 times God said and the world's created. Completeness big times completeness. That's how many times I'm to forgive someone who is a sin against me. It's not like 70 times 7 is 490 and 491. Here comes my fist when you sin against me. That is grace. How do we define grace? Well, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. See the acronym? Memorize that. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Mercy is I don't go to hell. Grace is I go to heaven. God is both merciful and gracious. God bless you. And grace is an overpour. See that in the children's message? It's an overpour. Christ died for all. Grace is an overpour. My thought to you is maybe I'm not gracious and graceful because I really don't believe that God is gracious or graceful to me. Maybe I hold grudges because I don't believe deep down in my heart that Jesus has fully forgiven me. And since Jesus hasn't forgiven me, I find it hard to forgive you. Maybe I don't believe that God loves me unconditionally, so I can't love you unconditionally. Maybe that's why it's easy to hold grudges, because I haven't yet known God's grace in my own life. And so we come to Joseph in the many coat color. Now, let me revive all your memories. Joseph in the technicolor dream coat starred in Broadway. Anybody remember who the star was? Donnie? Osmond, East Peoria, my previous town, they had a show like that I took my confirmation kids to. You know the story. He had every reason to hold a grudge. He sold into slavery. He came from a dysfunctional family. We thought we only had dysfunctional families. There's dysfunctional families back then. His dad favored him over his siblings. It was dysfunctional. And his brothers were jealous. They sold him into slavery, and he breaks his father's heart. They say, Dad, dear old Joseph is dead. They put blood on that coat and said, wild animal killed him, he's dead. 
Instead, he's sold into a pagan land. Pagans live in false religion. But yet, grace is a great deliverer. You know the story. Joseph grows into God's grace. Joseph is faithful, rises up the ranks, and then what happens? Seven years of bumper crops and seven years of what? See that number seven again? That's not an accident. And so, so Joseph's brothers are forced to go face-to-face and to come face-to-face with the guilty. Now, he could have said, I see you all here. I've been praying for you. I pray there's a famine. I don't give you any food. You go back hungry. I pray you come to me and I torture you the rest of your life. Or I pray you come to me and I pray that your brakes are no longer work and a window and a flower pot hit you in the head. That's what I was praying for. That's not what Joseph said. He didn't get into a fist fight with him at a funeral home. You know the story. God's grace is a great deliverer. God moves events for his will, and Joseph forgives his brothers. Can you read that with me, please? Do not be distressed, and do not, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you to save your lives by a great deliverance. See, grace was a deliverer there. See how God worked through evil? But then one of the most moving stories in all the Bible, most touching, that he threw his arms around them and he kissed his brothers and wept over them. He totally forgave them. A story of grace. What a blessing. Now, if we don't know the whole story, if Joseph and his brothers would have died, the messianic line from Adam and Eve to Jesus would have been broken, and there would be no Messiah. Family is spared. The messianic line is intact and open grace. So I'm going to share with you two questions people often ask about forgiveness. What to do when I've been deeply hurt? Well, we all heard that, forgive as God has forgiven you. That's most often said than done. That's really hard to do. We hear it all the time. It's really hard to do. What to do when I've been deeply hurt? To err is human, but to what? Now we need God's assistance to forgive. We can't do it ourselves. Let God and others help heal your hurt. Oftentimes when we find it hard to forgive, it's because our hearts are still hurting and we're still hurt over what someone has done to us. Anger at times is a good thing. If someone does something wrong against us, we get angry. That, that's its way of saying this isn't right. But don't hang on to anger. Don't let the sun go down your anger. Help heal that. If I'm having a hard time forgiving someone, chances are I'm still hurt from what they did. Maybe you can reflect in your own lives about that. Christ died for that person as much as he died for you. Think about that. We're all looking forward to the cross, so we can't look cross-eyed to each other right now. What else? Remember that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at that person the way that Jesus does. How does Jesus see the person? See the person the same way? And can you read the verse with me? Go ahead. I have a hard time forgiving somebody this much sins. God has forgiven how many of my sins? I'm only being asked to forgive what? This? God has forgiven me of what? That. That's how I can forgive, by God's grace and power. The next question that people ask is, do I have to forgive and forget? Matter of fact, that question sometimes gets asked more than the previous question. Do I have to forgive and forget? Well, I don't think we have to forget the lesson. We can definitely forgive. Well, let's look at Joseph. Forgiving is to have no ill will. 
I remember what happened, but I no longer have ill will against you. A person no longer has ill will against me. The slate's been clean. To forgive is I have amnesia of all the wrong I've done. Maybe particular amnesia. I see that person, and I've forgotten the one thing they did that hurt me so bad. I have amnesia. I can't remember if they did. <clears throat> a man came to his pastor and said, Pastor Jesus comes and visits me at night. No, I wouldn't laugh. Really? I don't know, maybe I'd be skeptical. But he said, yeah, Jesus comes and he visits me at night and I talk to Jesus in my dreams. The pastor said, okay, tell me the next time it happens. So the man came back to his pastor and said, Jesus, in a couple weeks said, Jesus, talk to me. The pastor said, okay, tell me the next time it happens. I want to make sure this is happening more, more than this once. A couple weeks went by and the man came back to the pastor and said, Jesus came and talked to me last night. The pastor, somewhat skeptical, said, the next time Jesus comes to you, I want you to ask him this. Ask Jesus what I did New Year's Eve in 1994. And so the pastor waited. The man got the question, okay, next time Jesus comes to me, I'm supposed to ask Jesus, what did my pastor do New Year's Eve 1994? So a couple weeks passed, and Jesus came and talked to the man, and the man asked Jesus, Jesus, what did my pastor do? You know my pastor. Jesus said, yes, New Year's Eve 1994. And Jesus looked at the man. You know what Jesus said? I forgave and I forgot. Jesus doesn't remember. Matter of fact, the Bible says, as far as our sins are from the east, they shall be moved to what far the west. Our sins shall be moved as far as what? East. Jesus takes our sins, he buries them in the depth of the ocean, and sometimes we like putting on scuba gear and getting them back out. Forgiveness has, no, has amnesia. We totally forget forgiveness and grace. Let go of the hurt emotion. When I think about Joseph, he didn't seek revenge, but here's Joseph's thing. Joseph just didn't even come even and say, I'm going to forgive you. Joseph went above and said, I want to love you to the point that I don't want you, my brothers, to have any more pain about this. I don't even want you to have to think about it anymore. I don't want your life to be ruined thinking about what you did to me in the past. That's how far my forgiveness and grace goes. I want you to grieve in pain about that. So grace abounds. During this past month and a half, during the funeral process for myself, and I'm sure you've been there before, and sometimes ill feelings come out. I'm sure many, some of you can relate to that. And a loved one of mine said during that process that for us, grace will abound during this whole process. Grace abounds. When I was at the seminary, um, we ought to take Greek, and some struggled more than others. I struggled somewhat, but there was a, a student who really struggled with the Greek. He, he just didn't go to college like, like most of us did. He struggled with the Greek. And our professor was a seminary president, and the seminary president, he knew how he did. He knew our marks. And his statement was, you put forth an effort, it's going to be okay because grace what? Abounds. What abounds? Grace. Grace abounds here. Our church, our school, grace what? Abounds. Grace is a great deliverer. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it and pray at the same time? Today, your mercy calls us. Wash away our sin. However great our trespass, whatever we have been. However long for mercy, our hearts have turned away. Your precious blood can wash us and make us clean again. And by God's grace, all God's people say, Amen.